Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, June 24th. Some dark horse candidates have begun to emerge as we think about which players are going to be making deep runs at the 2021 Wimbledon, the year's third Grand Slam, less than five days away. And of course, we only had three weeks of grass court warm-up events in the lead-up to this year's Wimbledon. We didn't have a grass court season in 2020. These are facts you've heard me repeat multiple times on these past couple of podcasts, but of course, it makes trying to predict what's going to happen at this year's Wimbledon that much more difficult. Of course, parody has been the theme on the WTA Tour, really dating back, what, two, three seasons on the men's side. We know what Novak Djokovic is capable of, but what do we make of all of the other next-geners? So many of them have played fewer than 30, honestly, fewer than 20 career matches on grass courts. So again, we don't exactly know what these players look like considering the jumps guys like Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, Berrettini, all of them have made in the past two seasons since we had our last grass court uh, full slate of of calendar events. Uh, It's really tough to make predictions heading into the 2021 Wimbledon. Of course, that's what we like to do here at Crack Rackets. That's what all of us tennis fans love to do as we talk about our beloved sport. And so, you know, Again, as we've watched these warm-up events unfold, I've tried to keep my eyes on a couple of valuable things. I wanted to know who are the top contenders. If it's not Novak Djokovic on the men's side, who might it be on the women's side? It's a wide-open field. Which players have stood out above the rest? Those are topics we explored, by the way, on our Great Shot podcast, the first of which has been released. Gil Gross, a returning champion here on our shows, joined me on Thursday to name our top 10 men's contenders heading into Wimbledon. You want to listen to that podcast, you can find it on our website, crackrackets.com, or on the Great Shot podcast feed. Be on the lookout for the women's top contenders to drop. Be on the lookout for our draw previews later this weekend as well. But on today's mini break podcast, I want to break down the action we've seen unfold uh, these past few days in particular on Wednesday. We still have two ATP warm-up events, two WTA warm-up events going on. We've got some qualifying results in the book as well. I want to talk about all of those results and keep an eye on the dark horse candidates that have emerged. That's the lens I'm looking at uh, these results through is which of these players with their success over these past few weeks, their success traditionally on this surface, should we perhaps be looking for to make runs at the year's third Grand Slam? Again, we 
we don't have a lot to go on, so certainly we will try to take as many valuable data points as we can from these past three weeks of tennis. Again, that's the theme of today's podcast, looking at Wednesday's results through the lens of trying to find the dark horse candidates. Of course, before I get to those thoughts, I have to remind all of you listeners that the reason we are able to do this day in, day out here on our Crack Rackets shows is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family. And by the way, on yesterday's Great Shot podcast, I re- or we released, I should say, a match of the day segment, which is typical for our Crack Rackets patrons. They can get those Monday and Friday. That's Patreon-exclusive content. We'll be doing a match of the day segment every day. So if you would like to add to your Wimbledon content repertoire, of course, we'll have mini breaks going. We'll have GSP Aces of the Day going. But if you're looking for a little more or you'd like to support our efforts here at Cracked Rackets, you can become a Patreon member. Go to our website, CrackedRackets.com. Hey, great shot to me. They're trying to get out the word website. Go there. You'll find the link to our Patreon page. Again, we appreciate all the support we get. So shout out to our Crack Rackets Patreon family. And of course, last but certainly not least, the reason we are able to do these mini break podcasts day in, day out is because of the support we get from our friends over at Tennis Point. It's summertime. Maybe you need a new short sleeve shirt. Maybe you need new shorts. Maybe you just don't have your sock game where you need it to be now that we're back outdoors and you're just not wearing pants as frequently as you're playing. Well, rest assured, you can find all of that. You can find the best rackets, best strings, all at the best prices with our friends at Tennis Point. You go to tennis-point.com. That's the symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, and best of all, you'll let them know we sent you there, which we always appreciate as well. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's get to Wednesday's results on the ATP and WTA tours, and let's start on the women's side with the WTA event in Eastbourne, because when you're talking dark horses in a women's major, I mean, pick a name out of a hat, right? If I would have told you it was going to be a Krejcikova Pavlichenkova final at the French Open beforehand, you'd have slapped me. You'd have said, you're lying. And of course, at that event for the first time in the open era, we had four first-time Grand Slam semifinalists reach that round of the competitions. Zidanezic, Sakari joining those two previously mentioned players. Do we think that's what could happen at the 2021 Wimbledon? It's tough to say because grass court tennis, it's such a niche brand of the sport, right? Playing front foot, being the aggressor, being decisive when you go down the line because if you go down the line and you don't succeed, you leave so much open court and it's so difficult to make matches physical and move the way these players are accustomed to moving on these grass courts. And of course, the serve and the return, the importance of them amplified on this surface, uh, it's a very specific skill set that succeeds on these grass courts. And I think in this past week in Eastbourne, we've seen two players who have had, tradi- you know, traditionally had success on this surface. They have a big enough sample size that you can say their results on the surface are real. And more importantly, I think they both got confidence and the game style heading into the event to do some serious damage. And while neither would be first-time Grand Slam quarterfinalists, and in one of the cases the player I'm going to talk about is a former Grand Slam champion, yet would- I think both of these these players would still be considered dark horses heading into the 2021 Wimbledon. And the place I have 
the start, and she is going to be a popular pick for Dark Horse candidates as those sorts of articles, predictions come out over the next couple of weeks. But again, starting in Eastbourne, we have to start with Daria Kasakina who has not only reached the quarterfinals of this event and has a fascinating showdown coming up with Yelena Ostapenko, but of course made the finals in Birmingham last week. Now, you know, the draw certainly opened up for her last week. Got wins over Herzog, Kostyuk, Martinsova, and Coco Vandway before losing a 5-4 and four final to Own Jabour. You know, none of those players I mentioned, Vandway, uh, Martinsova, Kostyuk, Herzog, are going to be seeded at the Grand Slams. I think only two of them are currently top 50 players, but she beat the players you're supposed to beat, right? If you are going to be seated or on the outskirts of being seated at this Grand Slam and at currently Daria Kostakina, number 34 in the rankings, she's right around that bubble of being a top 32 seed. Those are the sorts of players you're going to play in the early stages, rounds one, round two, to get to that third round where then she's going to have to upset a seed. And honestly, it might be better for her to not be the 30, 31, 32 seed, but to be a dangerous floater who has to beat like the 18 and then the 14 seed. I think Daria Kasakina is very capable of doing that. And you look at Kasakina's result yesterday, she earns a super Super impressive win over Iga Swiatek. Drops the first set six four. Bounces back to next, take the next two sets six love six one. I mean, Kasakina is able to impose a physical brand of tennis in on a grass court, and it's stunning to see because you know a she moves the ball around the court as well as any player, and her ability to again go cross court down the line, cross court down the line, just hit where you aren't. That's a valuable skill on a grass court because, again, moving is so difficult to do. And credit to Iga Svantec, the level in that first set was incredibly high. And the first serve percentages weren't great. You look for Iga. Actually, they were pretty good. Iga made 61%. Kasakina made 62%. I should say the success percentage on serve. Both players broken uh, a total of five times in 10 service games. You know, that wasn't the best. At the same time, Watching both of these players succeed in the outer thirds, watching them tracking down those balls, watching them hit with power and precision out of the corners, it was a really high level of tennis in that first set, and Kasakina put a ton of pressure on Sviantek, but Sviantek continued to come up with answers, whether it was big backhands down the line that drew a slice from Kasakina and then allowed Sviantek to set on a forehand, and when she's able to set her feet and turn into that forehand, you know, she hits that ball so heavy, A, and then B, she disguises the inside out so well. I should really say disguises the cross court so well, because it does feel like she's always going to go inside out with that forehand that is her most powerful shot, but you know, she just, Kasakina didn't have the big weapon to break through Iga. She was really aggressive with, with her returns, taking those balls inside the baseline, taking them down the line, getting Iga on her back foot. But it felt like Iga had the bigger weapons from the ground. She takes that first set 6-4, but Iga wasn't able to sustain her level. And you look at the first serve percentages, set 2, it was 47% for Iga. Set 3, she made 82% of her first serves, yet won only 9 of the 22 points. She started to struggle with that serve, was really focused on just trying to land that ball, uh, you know, deep or into the, you know, away from Kasakina or deep into her body and just wasn't able to do it. Kasakina was getting clean strikes on the return of serve and from there she was dictating and again, she moves the ball around the court so well. Her forehand sneaky heavy and her ability to hit that ball short angle cross court and then open up the down the line, her ability to incorporate the slice on the backhand side, mix in the drop shot, mix in 
in the down the line. She can just do a little bit of everything, and she's as comfortable of a mover on this surface as I have seen throughout these first three weeks. Now, again, does she have the overwhelming weapon to win seven matches in a row at Wimbledon? I don't know if that's the case. Could a big server like a Sabalenka, that's always the answer I'm going to, or the person I'm going to turn to when I think big server, or a Jen Brady, someone like that just power through her on a given day? Yes, absolutely. Could someone like a Sakari match her, or a Kennan match her physicality, match her variety? Yes, I do think they could both do that. Conteve as well, but Kastakina is always going to be in the mix. She's always going to be competing. And again, she has had a rebound 2021 after she reached the top 10 in 2018. You remember back that season, she made French Open quarterfinals. You actually look during that 2018 year, she made Wimbledon quarterfinals as well. She went 42 and 25, won 62% of her points uh, of her matches, struggled with injuries and confidence since then. Now, you know, again, 2019, she goes 14 and 20, 2020, she goes 8 and 12. This season, she's 27 and 11, and I should say now 29 and 11 with her two wins here this week, wins over Zivanareva and Sviantek. I mean, again, you look for what she's been able to do this year. Early on in the season, won a couple of titles. She won the Phillips Island Trophy that second week of the Australian Open. She won St. Petersburg uh, a month later as well. She's gotten wins over players like Kudermatova, Collins, Buzkova. She uh, during the course of the season, she's beaten all of the players she's supposed to beat, and you know she's played the others close. You know, a couple of losses to Sabalenka this year, a couple of clay court losses to informed Sloane Stevens and an informed Serana Kirstea. Kasakina has played really, really good ball. And why is she a dark horse heading into Wimbledon? Again, it's that she has experience and confidence now on these grass courts before. She's 16 and 10 in her career in WTA Tour level matches. As I mentioned, she's made a Wimbledon quarterfinal. She made a final last week in Birmingham. Now won two matches again, upset the seed to make the quarterfinals here in Eastbourne. Those 26 matches are more than someone like a Kennan or an Andrescu or a Sviantek or so many of these other young players who are always in the mix uh, have had on grass courts. And that's just worth noting. She is comfortable on the surface. She is uh, clicking on all cylinders with her game. Physically, she seems locked in as well. Daria Kasakina, awfully impressive win again. 4-6, 6-love, 6-1 over Iga Sviantek to advance to the quarterfinals in Eastbourne. But absolutely a dark horse heading into the 2021 Wimbledon. That's player number one from Eastbourne. Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. 
To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Dark Horse number two, and it's incredible that we're calling a former Grand Slam champion a Dark Horse, especially when that former Grand Slam champion is still only 24 years old. But let's be honest, Yelena Ostapenko at this point, ranked number 43 in the world, is a Dark Horse entering Wimbledon. And look, tennis abstracts the numbers, they love her, and they love her grass court success. And by the way, you look for Daria Kasakina, she's 14th right now in grass court specific ELO, of course. Tough to judge that, just given how small the sample size grass court ELOs right now a little bit. I would say the least accurate of the surface specific ELO ratings, but you know, uh, right now, Kasakina, just so you guys know, 14th in grass court ELO, 25th in overall ELO. You look for her 2021 specific, that 23 and 10 record from uh, going into this week, so now 25 and 10, but has her good for 19th. She's been a top 20 player. Is a top 20 player technically ranked too high to be a dark horse? Well, her 34 ranking suggests that she could be, and so again, the numbers say she's been playing better at a better level, level than her ranking suggests. That's a dark horse candidate. You look at Yelena Ostapenko now, again, to switch back gears. She's currently the 11th ranked player in Tennis Abstract's grass court ELO ratings. Now, the overall ELOs, they don't like her as much. You look for Yelena Ostapenko right now. She's 35th in overall ELO. You look here in 2021, she's 41st. That's dark horse candidate quality. And what's so crazy about calling her a dark horse is that she's made a Wimbledon semifinal before. Now, it was all the way back, I believe, in 2018. But you look at her run there. She played a bunch of unseeded players, but she beat them all in straight sets before getting knocked off by the eventual champion, Angelique Kerber, in the semifinals. She made the quarterfinals of this event in 2017. She beat Alina Svitolina in the round of 16 before getting knocked out by Venus in straight sets. You look for her in her career. She's made a bunch of quarterfinals on this surface and makes another one in knocking out last week's champion Own Jabour 5-7-6-4-6-3 to advance to the quarterfinals. She also knocked out Pavlichenkova in the first round. She made round of 16 last week in Birmingham, losing in three to Martin Sova. But you look for Yelena Ostapenko. I actually think she's turned a corner here in this season. I want to talk about her match specifically with Jabour in a moment, but you look for Ostapenko now, she's 22-15 and 15 in her last 52 weeks. You look for her this season specifically, 17-11 and 11 overall. That's pretty damn good. And you look at the numbers for her, she's got a career high in her hold percentage. She's holding 64% of the time. That's greater than her usual 60% number. Her break percentage is up as well. She's up a percent, 41.9 compared to her career numbers, 40.9. She's making 4% more of her first serve. She's winning a percent more of those points, a percent more of her second serve points. Again, she's just a little bit better across the board. She does seem to have slowed things down a little bit, maintained that power, but giving herself a little bit more margin. And you look for Ostapenko, again, I mentioned that 22 in 15 in her last 52 weeks, and I think I did this a couple of weeks ago, but let's just talk about the players she's lost to. Those 15 losses, here are the names. She's lost to Kennan, Pliskova twice, Brady, 
Bardi, Pagula, Mukova, Svitolina, Jabour, Bedosa at the French Open. Ten of those losses, I'm not saying they're good losses, but they can be explained. And you look at those losses, four of them have been in three sets. One of them was a 6-6 six and six loss. She's playing tight matches. She's competitive again in all of these results. And you look for her in her match against Jabour. What was clicking so well? That first serve percentage, which is so critical for Ostapenko because let's be honest, the second serve is a sitting duck. And Ostapenko playing front foot tennis is such a different player than Ostapenko playing on her back foot. And she has Serena Williams. I've made this joke before in Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club in the back of the neighborhood, that property that they either kill it on Halloween and they've got all the decorations out and they're scaring you as you approach the front door or there's just a sign uh, on a different year that says do not enter here's candy on the front porch that's Yelena Ostapenko when it's good it's spectacular when it's not good it's very very bad she's been awesome this week in uh, her matches in Eastbourne and against Shabur in particular, she was firing on all cylinders. And look, she was down early breaks in that first set, fought her way back. She was down in early break, one love, and then 2-1 again in the second set. She fights her way back to take a 5-7-6-4-6-3 victory. And just the power tennis she can play on this surface really tough to deal with because of the weight of her shot, because of how decisive she is going down the line. Even if you track that down the line ball, now she's got so much open space and it's so difficult for you to recover, you have to keep her off her front foot. And just Own Jabour as, you know, Own Jabour did not play a poor match here. And for her in particular, this was not a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination. Own Jabour is still one of your top 10 contenders entering this 2021 French Open. But look, Jabour didn't make enough first serves in this match. She only made 55%. Ostapenko capitalized on that fact. And Ostapenko, again, makes 66% of her first serves, wins 66% of her first serve points, 50% of her second serve points, creates 12 break chances for herself, converts on six of them. She just kept swinging. And credit to Own Jabour, who just threw garbage at Ostapenko all match long. And I say that affectionately. When I say garbage, I mean nothing, no no good, no clean rhythm for Ostapenko. It was slices, it was drop shots, just Again, funky stuff, going big. The only time she would hit through that ball was going big down the line to try and end a point because whenever she would play a rally ball, Ostapenko, when you're at neutral, that gives Ostapenko a chance to attack, and Ostapenko did attack, and oh my God, was her backhand clicking in this match. Her ability to hit that backhand down the line absolutely ridiculous. Her ability to drag that forehand cross court as well, hit it through you. When she can set her feet, again, she has plus, plus power, and she showed that power off. Jabour just wasn't able to keep her on that back foot enough. And uh, over time, Ostapenko was able to track down enough drop shots, put enough pressure on Jabour that she hit through her. And Jabour was stretched, was hitting stretch slices, not aggressive front foot slices. Now, Jabour had plenty of chances to dictate in this match. And she did a good job of keeping Ostapenko honest on the Ostapenko second serve. And again, I'm not trying to... When I say that Jabour was on her back foot, it's a testament to Ostapenko. I'm not trying to diminish Jabour, but, you know, Ostapenko had it on this day, and ultimately she's able to advance in three sets. And again, the numbers speak for themselves. I've already said the last 52, she's 22 and 15. You want to look 2021 specifically, she's now 17 and 11. She's 27 and 14 in her career on grass courts in WTA level matches. That's 66% win percentage. That's her highest across the three surfaces. And again, it's not just a one-off run at Wimbledon. Semifinals 2018, 
quarterfinals 2017. Yes, she lost a first-round match to Sue Wei-C in 2019, but that was a different Elena Ostapenko than the one we see right now. Is Ostapenko back to winning Grand Slam-level form? No, she's not quite there. I don't know if she can do it for seven consecutive matches, but seeing her play this week, again, the decisiveness in her victories against Pavlchenkova and Jabour, if she's playing like this, she can beat anyone in the draw on any given day. Of course, that's always the fact, but she showed this form now. We've seen it in the past couple of weeks. Yelena Ostapenko is the definition of a dark horse candidate entering this 2021 Wimbledon. Given what we've seen unfold over these past few events, it would not surprise me at all to see her make a run into the second week, another quarterfinal, another semifinal, maybe even another Grand Slam final for Yelena Ostapenko. When she plays well, it really is that good. Uh, she advances again, three set wins. And now, you know, our, my two dark horses play head to head, set a Wimbledon quarterfinal preview, maybe in that Kasakina Ostapenko quarterfinal world. We're going to get to see in Eastbourne on Thursday. Should be some very, very exciting tennis. Now, again, if I break down all of the matches in Eastbourne, this is going to be a six-hour pod, but it really has been telling, and we've seen some very uh, interesting results. You look at our other three setters on the day. Sevastova just... She was able to withstand everything Coco Gauff threw at her. She was able to find her rhythm over the course of the match. I thought her serve got better and better as well. And you look for Sevastova, uh, her effectiveness on first serve. She won uh, over 80% of her first serve points throughout the course of the match. She made 62% of her first serves during the match. I mean, this was a match that three sets it featured. You know, each player was broken. Gauff four times, Sevastova three times, twice, excuse me. So about once per per set, each of these players were broken. This was your traditional grass court tennis match, and it felt like Goff had her in that second set, and then just kind of emptied the tank there and didn't have quite enough left in the tank in the third, but that's a credit to Sevastova, who mixes in that backhand slice, but then will mix in the power tennis as well, did a really good job of creating some opportunities for herself in the Coco Golf service games, and just, you know, putting that first, not giving Goff an easy first ball to tee off of when she landed first serves, and Goff landed a bunch of first serves in this match, 63% of them. She won 70% of her first serve points. Usually, that's good enough to get the job done. It's just not when Sevastova is winning 81% of her first serve points. And that first serve, that ability to play plus one, her comfort level moving forward, it absolutely makes Sevastova dangerous entering Wimbledon. Now, do I think she's a dark horse the way I do Ostapenko and Kasekina? No. But this was a really high level from her three-set win over golf. I still feel very good about Coco Gauff entering the 2021 Wimbledon. Um, I Again, second week is the expectation, I think, for Gauff, and that's crazy to say about someone who's only 17 years old, but nevertheless, Sebastova advances. And then Camilla Georgie, three-set win over Shelby Rogers. It's so funny to watch Georgie just... Again, she goes down swinging. Swing, 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 swing. And that decisiveness on these grass courts always bode well. Three-set win for her over Shelby Rogers, who is absolutely dangerous, entering the 2021 Wimbledon. Again, this loss, I think she showed a good level, good form. When she her serve is clicking, she can absolutely hang with anyone out there. That was your th- other three-set result. In terms of the straight setters we saw on the day, three seeds knocked out. You had Elena Rabakina, who's continued her exceptional form again and 
plus power on grass courts is what wins the day. And I think Rabakinet is a pretty good facsimile of what a Serena Williams performance used to look like. The power out of the corners, the huge serving, the decisiveness on the return. She took it to Alina Svitolina in a 6-4, 7-6 victory. And again, Svitolina did a really good job withstanding that power. But this speaks to the ceiling of an Alina Rabakina. That's why we've been high on her these past 17 months here at Cracked Rackets, dating back to the start of the 2020 season. That power translates the invitation. It's not quite in the mail, but she's going to be joining Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club soon. Just need to see a big title out of her. Certainly, this was a great victory, 4-6 over Svindelina. I don't think Rabakina qualifies quite as a dark horse. I think people expect to see her have success. And so, again, she's going to be seated at the event. We're expecting big things from her. Ditto from Annette Contave, 3-3 win over Bianca Andrescu. Andrescu still looking to find her uh, comfort level on these grass courts. But look, that do-everything game that I talked about with Kasakina it's the same for Contevate. There's just not a glaring weakness, and she's going to put a ton of pressure on you. She's going to make a million returns in the court. She's going to place her first serve well. She's going to move the ball around the court. Again, I don't need to repeat all of the, the traits I said for Casacchino, but they apply to Contevate. You guys know my thoughts on her. 3-3 three and three win for her over Andrescu. Bianca Andrew, I, I made the case. Some of the, they, she just hasn't played many grass court matches at this level. And so, again, to expect big things from her at this Wimbledon might be a year too soon, but I think she's got all the skills needed to be a successful grass court player. And again, Conteve's just playing such good tennis right now. That's, that, that result speaks more to Conteve's level, I think, than it does Andrescu's. And then, of course, Victoria Golubic, who at times when she's clicking, she looks like a top 10 player in the world. And she played an excellent match here against, I would say, a worn-down Belinda Bencic, who was a finalist last week, got a big win in round one, 4-4 four four win for Golubic. Again, I'm still feeling pretty good about Bencic heading into Wimbledon. I think, again, second week should be the expectation for her, uh, not just, not just uh, you know, uh, her holding seed, but her making a quarterfinal, semifinal, her power, her decisiveness, her ability to hit big on the return. If she's landing enough first serves, we'll see her in the second week, uh, but Golubic was just too good today, got her stretched and you know again Benchich just did not have the answers Golubic advances to the quarterfinals and then Arena Sabalenka one in four win over Allison Risk this was a much needed one for Sabalenka just to build her confidence because of course we know how good Risk can be but I mean that power tennis for Sabalenka the athleticism as well She's not a dark horse anymore. She's a favorite at every event she enters. This was a fantastic performance for her. And again, sets up a really fun quarterfinal round of matches. You've got Sabalenka versus Georgie. Power, power, power tennis. Conteve versus Golubic. Ostapenko Kasakina is the best match on the board. And then Sevastova versus Rabakina as well. Those are your quarterfinal matches in Eastbourne to move on to Bad Hamburg. And I'm not going to break it down the way I did Eastbourne because I thought the results were pretty straightforward on the day. I will say Anne Lee is just a dark horse in the fact that if you're not familiar with her yet, you really need to. Anne Lee right now, the young American, uh, former Junior Slam champion, 21 years old uh, in two days, so 
happy early birthday to you, Anne Lee. Uh, now number 70 in the world, but all of the metrics like her more than that. Anne Lee right now number 45 in overall ELO. You look for her 2021 specific. Anne Lee currently number 45 as well. Hey, great shot to ELO. I like that consistency. You look at her results over these last 52 weeks, 24 and 11. She made round of 32 at the U.S. Open, round of 32 at the Australian Open, round of 64 at Roland Garros. She's you know, didn't play much of the clay court season, only played Roland Garros. And look, her power tennis, I think it translates really well to these grass courts. And for her to steal a set from Petra Kvitova, that's a heck of a result. And look, her first serve was working. She made 62% of them. She won 72% of those points. She had a really difficult time on her second serve. And again, just over time, that power of Petra Kvitova and Lee, not quite there physically to hang with that, but she put a ton of pressure on Petra, played a really good second set. This was a good win for Kvitova to respond to. Again, a couple of adverse matches, three sets in both of her first two wins, but she advances to the quarterfinals. Where now she's gotten uh, uh, Nadia Podoroska, who earns a win over Patricia Teague in three set. I don't know what Poroska looks like yet on grass courts. Again, she's another one of those young players with fewer than 20 grass court matches in her career. So interesting. She's got the athleticism certainly to have success, but the weapons of Kvitova, you favor her in that quarterfinal. You also have the, and this was one of my Patreon matches of the day, Angelique Kerber taking on Amanda Nisimova. Fantastic contrast of styles. And Nisimova, if she wins this match, we're going to throw her into Dark Horse category as well. She's earned straight set wins over Kavinich and Petkovic in her first two matches. Would love to see her make a semifinal run here, earn some confidence because, again, the tool she has as a power tennis player, we haven't seen her play much on grass, but very much like the Ostapenko argument, Anisimova falls into that category. So that's a fascinating matchup in Bad Hamburg. You've also got Laura Siegemund, winner over Korpat. She's going to take on Sinyakova now, and now uh, Sarah Saribas Tormo going to take on Vika Azarenka, who earned a 7-6 third in the win in the third over Alize Cornet. was a very fun match, but I've talked a lot of Vika late on these podcasts. She's certainly clicking, but I don't expect to see her play that quarterfinal match. I don't think either of you should as well. Any of you, I should say, should as well, because Vika's got Wimbledon on her mind, and again, she's played enough warm-up tennis. So that's what's happening right now in our two WTA warm-up events. Again, the players I am circling as dark horse candidates, Daria Kasakina, Yelena Ostapenko, and we'll put a tentative circle around Amanda Nisimova for now. Again, I need to see that match with Kerber, see her really pushed on these courts. But those are the players I'm watching most closely between those two events. Wimbledon women's qualifying this weekend as well should be a very, very exciting weekend of WTA action to get us ready for the year's third Grand Slam. But before I talk about the ATP side and get into all of the fun, the dark horse candidates that have emerged in our two warm-up events there, I have to say... All of this watching of grass court tennis, the maintenance that goes into ensuring these courts are in optimum conditions for these matches to be played, it's been making me think about the self-maintenance I've got to do. And look, all of us, we've got to shave, we've got to brush our teeth, do the things we do to make ourselves look great, make us ourselves feel comfortable, I suppose, going out there in society. Certainly as things have opened up around the country, all of us getting excited to do things like going to a bar, watching one of these tennis matches during 
Wimbledon with our friends, interacting with people socially. Maybe after 15 months, you, like I, have forgotten how you do things like that. Thankfully, I have these podcasts to practice things in conversations. Hello, how are you? Are you doing well? When to ask questions, when to laugh, when not to laugh. Anyways, there are a lot of little things that perhaps we've forgotten how to do properly. Well, thankfully for us here at Crack Rackets, we have our friends over at Manscaped to remind us that grooming is always an important thing for all of us to do. And look, you've heard me talk about Manscaped before. You guys know we only trust ourselves here at Crack Rackets to the best in the business. And we know manscaping is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, folks. That's right. You think PlaySight on clay courts is impressive? Wait until you hear about the Lawn Mower 4.0. You know, over 2 million men worldwide trust their manscaping, uh, I suppose, to Manscaped, and with this exclusive offer, you can as well get 20% off and free worldwide shipping to get yourself a lawnmower 4.0. Get yourself involved with our friends at Manscaped by using the promo code NEWBALLS, please, at manscaped.com. And let's be clear. They're letting us use the promo code NEWBALLS, please. You know how excited I am about that fact? You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping. And again, get yourself the new Lawnmower 4.0. But just more generally, ensure you have the tools to feel your best heading back out in public. Manscaped.com. Uh, the promo code is NEWBALLS, please. Make shaving time your favorite time. Manscaped.com. The promo code is NEWBALLS, please. I apologize for the lie read again we got to mix those in now every so often it means things are good here at crack rackets and i have i can't lie to you that was a fun one for me but anyways with that in mind let's get back on topic let's talk now about the atp side of action we've seen unfold over this past week and in particular let's start once again in eastbourne there is no denying these past few months have been difficult for Alex Demonauer out on tour. You look at his results overall these last 52 weeks. Demonauer 28 and 20, but here in 2021, he's 17 and 13. There was a point where he lost five matches in, you know, five and six matches, and uh, I believe six in eight during the clay court season. You look for him in Roland Garros, it was a second round loss to Marco Cecinato. Wasn't even the start he wanted to his grass court season as he was knocked out 7 6 in the third in Stuttgart. Uh, to Yuri Rodionov, but he has bounced back. Since that loss, you look at him in Queens Club, wins over Chilich, Milman, and Laszlo Jure before getting knocked out by Matteo Berrettini, and now follows it up with a good win here in Eastbourne over a very much informed Liam Brody, 6-3-6-4. You look for Demonauer in this match. He made 62% of his first serves, and the big note there, he won 81% of his first serve points. He has gotten better at hitting that plus one ball, at not remaining so defensive in each and every point he plays, but there's a little bit of Medvedev, a little bit of Djokovic able to play physical tennis on grass courts characteristic in him that absolutely makes him special and makes him a guy to watch in the three out of five set format here and in at any event but in particular here at Wimbledon and look Brody just didn't have a big enough weapon to hit through him and I think the thing that was so impressive for me was the way 
Demon Hour responded to the lefty game style of Brody. Did a great job. I actually think lefties are great matchups for Demon Hour because if you attack his backhand with pace, that backhand backswing is so condensed, it's really easy for him to take that ball early, redirect it down the line. When he doesn't have to generate the topspin, his backhand becomes that much more effective. I also thought he did a really good job with his forehand and the depth he was able to create on his forehand here today. Uh, In particular, you look for Liam Brody, uh, or, or for Demon Hour again, he was able to attack the Brody second serve as well, took that ball early up the line, he had some ridiculous gets throughout the course of this match as well, and you look at just the service numbers for Brody, 63% win percentage on first serve points, 38% on second serves, on, in grass court tennis, that's just not going to be able to get the job done, and that's a testament to, again, how difficult it was to for Brody to hurt Demon Hour, again, he has those flat ground strokes as well. He's really comfortable going down the line. He's really comfortable in the outer thirds of the courts, and he's one of those few guys who can actually recover and move almost borderline like he normally does, even in grass court tennis. You look for Demon Hour in his career. Only 9-8 and eight in his career in grass court matches, but has now made, I believe, uh, four quarterfinals in nine events. He's, you know, made in 2019 quarterfinals in her or Herta Jimbosh, I will never pronounce that right, quarterfinals this year in Stuttgart, in Queens Club now here in Eastbourne. Again, at least he has matches under his belt this season. He's looked comfortable. I believe he's won a challenger title on grass before back in the day as well. Currently number 18 in the rankings, which is technically his career high, but I think we all agree he has not played his best tennis of late, and I think, you know, the tennis abstract ELO ratings reflect that he's 34 in uh, overall ELO rating. You look here in 2021 specifically, Demon Hour down to 46. Hate to say it, but that does feel about right for him. But that said, we are now in the home stretch, his favorite part of the season, grass court and the summer hard court stretch. Be on the lookout for the Alex Diemenauer push here over these next couple of months and be on the lookout for it to start here at this year's Wimbledon. Straight set win for him over Liam Brody. That was an impressive result. I also think we probably have to throw just a hair of dark horse stock in Lorenzo Sinego, who, of course, we remember last year, his run down the home stretch of the season. You look for Sinego, he was able to capture or make that final in Vienna, and then at the start of this year, able to win a clay court title in Cagliari. You know, he also won a grass court title back in 2019. His first ATP title feels like a lifetime ago, but it was in Antalya in the warm up to the 2019 Wimbledon. And you look for him overall on grass courts in his career. Now, he's 7-4. It's a small sample size, but at least he has had some success. And that serve, that forehand, they translate to this surface. There's no denying that. You look for him overall, in particular in his match against uh, John Millman. He just had the bigger weapons. And with his movement, his length, it was really difficult for Millman to hurt him. And, you know, there's that spontaneity and that unpredictability about Snego that actually translates well to these grass courts as well, because he'll mix in the drop shot. He'll mix in the slap down the line. He'll mix in the serve and volley, change up his spots as well. You look for him 28 and 21 in his last 52. He's solidified a spot in the top 40, currently at number 27 in the ATP rankings. I mean, he's played a really, really good year thus far. And, you know, again, it depends how the draw breaks out, but he's going to be seeded. And, you know, again, with his comfort level, with his experience on this grass court, just having won a title and, you know, knowing that his game can work on this surface, 
Third round's the expectation. You would expect him to hold seed, one of those seeds you feel probably comfortable about in those early rounds of this event. And then, you know, again, if it's if it's Sinego Hachinov in round three, which way are you leaning right now? Recent results would suggest Sinego, of course, three out of five, do you go against Hachinov? Probably not. That's a stay away by every definition of the word, but that's the category Sinego's worked himself into. He is certainly playing the best tennis of his career. Made 77% of his first serves against Millman, won 77%, uh, 78%, excuse me, of those first serve points. Only won 42% of his second serve points, but only played 12 points on his second serve in the match. That's efficient tennis, folks. That's how you win on grass courts. Lorenzo Sinego gets the job done, throwing him into the dark horse category outside the top 20, a guy who I think can absolutely do some damage at the 2021 Wimbledon. You look at your other results on the day. We did have a couple of upsets. Max Purcell looked untouchable. I mean, he just, uh, it, Guy Monfils couldn't finish points, couldn't fit through him at all, and Purcell found these digs, and Purcell actually served for the match up 6-4, 5-4, Monfils was able to find some answers there, but ultimately Max Purcell, 6-4, 5-7, 6-4 victory over Monfils. He's going to be the upset alert seed on every expert's upset alert. It's the cop-out answer, but he is on upset alert, let's be clear. Purcell looked exceptional, and again, for a lucky loser, we had three lucky losers advance to the quarterfinals. It was Purcell over Monfils. My guy, Sun Wukwan into ATP quarterfinal, I believe number eight of his career as he takes on Mar- or as he takes out Marton Fucevic seven six six seven six three. And by the way, Kwan's done it on hard courts, clay courts, and grass this season. He's inside the top seventy five. That's where he belongs. Such a well rounded game, such great power from the baseline, such a good mover as well. Uh, good win for him over Fucevic. Puzzling win for Seppi over Rusevori, two and three. I thought the weapons of Rusevori might give Seppi more problems. They did not. You also had a three-set win from Avashka, and then straight-set wins from Sasha Bublik. I mentioned Demon Hour and Sinego. And then Vashik Pospisil gets a 7-6 retirement victory from Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, who, again, he's, he's so many nagging injuries. It's been tough for him, but more than anything, if you're hurting at all, pull out, get healthy for the year's third Grand Slam. That sets up the quarterfinals. It's going to be Purcell versus Seppi, Sinego versus Bublik, Kwan versus Ivashka, Pospisil taking on Demon Hour. That is a fascinating matchup. That's the ultimate litmus test for Demon Hour. Pospisil, the big serve, big forehand, comfortable serving and volleying, has had success at Wimbledon before. If Demon Hour beats him comfortably, he's he. we need to start thinking about him second week, potential quarterfinalist at this year's Wimbledon. But those were your results in Eastbourne in Majorca. It was slightly steadier, I suppose, results. You look round of 16 straight set wins for Bautista Gut, Karina Busta, and Jordan Thompson. I could watch Roberto Bautista Gut inside out forehands all day. He just looked so comfortable doing so. I thought Vesley actually played a decent match in his 4-4 loss against Karina Busta. It was a really slow start for him. Karina Busta got that break in the fourth game of the match. Uh, but then Vesley found his rhythm, put pressure on him, hold serve well, but Crano Busta looked locked in physically, put a ton of return on the court, served really well also. He advances in straight sets. Thompson, a straight set win over Lucas Klein, and then Sam Query gets the withdraw from Ugo Umber, who played a ton of tennis last week, and yeah, if he's healthy and fit... We know what he can do at this year's Wimbledon, but you look across the board now in Mallorca, very fun quarterfinal. 
uh, Thursday as it's Medvedev versus Rude, Carreno Busta versus Thompson, Query versus Bautista Agut, and then Lopez versus Manorino. Those were your results across the ATP Tour against Sinego, Demonauer, two guys I'm watching closely. If Sam Query plays the match and beats a Bautista Agut, I mean, we know how good he can be on grass courts, so just keep your eye on Slam and Sammy as well. But those are your results across the board. I'm going to save, actually, the qualifying results. I know I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to save those for tomorrow's podcast when we know who our qualifiers are across the board, and I'll bring in the appropriate guest to discuss those facts. But again, We've got Wimbledon qualifying, we've got Mallorca, we've got Bad Hamburg, we've got Eastbourne. We've, uh, it should be a very, very exciting week of tennis. Still plenty of information for us left to learn as we prepare for the 2021 fr- uh, Wimbledon. And by the way, if you need to catch up on any of the action, you want to learn who are the top 10 contenders, you want to learn more about the qualifying draws, you want to catch up on any of the action, you can do so on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, The Great Shop Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast. I wouldn't ask if it didn't help us with the algorithms. You need more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shop Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Wastoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out a shout out as well to our friends at tennis point and manscaped remember it's tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 manscaped.com the promo code is new balls please but with that in mind for our super producers Fligner and Westoff, our friends at tennis point and manscaped and from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. 